Hello and welcome to another episode of that Disney Parks podcast. I'm Nick, and on this episode, I am joined by Mr. D. Hello there. Hello. Uh, we have got the returning at long last Sinead. Hello. Uh, it's, it's only been a few weeks, but it feels longer. I don't know why. I know. It's a, you, you, I know. Big hole when you when you leave. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, and we have a very special guest. And I was thinking about this before we started recording because um, this podcast has obviously changed over time, and this is now its its third literation uh, by name. Uh, and this guest has been on every version of the podcast. So uh, we are joined once again uh, by Mr. Tom Armin. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on again. I just realized that I have been on every iteration because I I haven't talked to you guys in a while. So I think this is the first time I've been on this version of the podcast. Yes. Well, this uh, we changed we changed the name of the podcast again at the end of last year. And the reason why, uh, in a, well, there's a couple of reasons. One, I'm a neurotic idiot, so that's one. The second is, uh, and the more conventional reason, is it just a to- just to kind of um, brand the podcast together so they've all kind of got a connective name uh, like they used to and we lost track of that. So that was the reasoning behind it. But yeah, I mean, we had you, I can't remember when we, we first had you on, but it must be probably about eight or nine years ago, maybe? first time it was a long long time ago i mean it was definitely in the Diz after dark days it was way back when um it must have been for probably one of the first couple disney albums i did like way back when that's probably why i was on the show yes no it definitely it definitely was um i think it might be Mm -hmm. and you'll have to you'll have to you can you'll be able to know which album this is but the one with the uh the red cover that's, I believe, magical moments number two. Was it? That's mm. yes. I think it was magical definitely, moments two. Yeah, it was definitely yeah. a number two. Yes. But I can remember the, <laughs> the full title. <laughs> really well, that's been a while. That's been. Yeah. A, I'd have to look it up to remember the year. I can't remember the year I did that. Uh, I, I want to say it was like. When do you think it was? I'm sorry. Go ahead. I want to say around 2013 or 2014, but I'm not sure. According to, uh, I, I've I've just got everything up on my Amazon Music, and according to that, it was twenty fourteen. Twenty fourteen, okay. So you, right. I mean, that's very good because I mean, you know, it's not like you've released two albums. Do you know what I mean? Like you've released <laughs> a lot of albums. So for you to remember roughly when that was, that's that's you know, that's quite a talent there. Thing, oh, I try, <laughs> I try as best as I can. Well, there you well go. a little bit of. A fun information from that album that was the album that had where i did winnie the pooh mm. and that is still the number one streamed song of mine on spotify winnie I the pooh s- is still number one I all these years this, later i saw this today yeah. uh because I, yeah. I don't generally use spotify but um i was trying oh. to do my uh i say my background research for the, tonight's episode but i mean that's very that's a very uh-huh. loose term uh but i did <laughs> I did look you up on Spotify, and I did notice that, and I was like, "Wow, that's that's interesting." And I wonder, I wonder if that's because, and I don't know, and I don't, I don't know if you'll know the answer to this, but I wonder if it's because there's not many versions of that song. Maybe not. There aren't. I don't know a lot of artists that do the the main track. I don't know. Uh, 
I, I'm not sure, actually. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I thought the arrangement was cute when I did it. I've always loved the song. It's a great childhood. It brings back a lot of memories, you know, of childhood. Growing up with Disney music and watching Disney shows. And I think it holds a lot of nostalgia for people. Yeah. So maybe it's a combination of that. And I, I think technically as well, I think that was the first song that Spotify put on their radar at some point, which right. means they sent it out to a bunch of people that had Disney in their profile or something. So I think that helped mm -hmm. catch it on as well. But I just think a lot of it's nostalgia just for, uh, you know, a simpler time and just brings back a lot of memories. No, no, I think, yeah. I think you're right. It's, it's one of those pieces of music, isn't it really? Um, yeah. but look, before we get stuck into the music, um, you know, one thing that hasn't changed over the years is the fact that I do ask what everybody's drinking, and I've already taken a few sips, which is quite rude of me. Um, so, Sinead, I'll ask you first. What are you drinking? Well, given that this week is National Irish Week, because it's Party's Day the day after this it is. gets released, and a quick, oh, quick yes. little instructional les uh, lesson for the American listeners, not just yourself, Tom. It's either St. Patrick's Day, or it is Paddy's Day with D's, not T's, mm -hmm. and that's it. There is no St. Patty's Day. That is not a thing. No. We don't condone that on this podcast. And no, we... what I am drinking in honor of it being Paddy's Week uh, is I have a Jemison Black Barrel with some ginger ale and a slice of lime. I mean, that's that's quite classy for a podcast record, I've got to say. What can I say? Yeah. Classy chick. That's, that's, that's mm -hmm. it, right? That's me. It's got to be. And speaking of classy chicks, Mr. Day, what are you drinking? Uh, also, in aid of St. Patrick's Day, oh, uh, I've got a margarita. Nice. <laughs> oh, nice. It's great. Probably, I could probably come up with a really convoluted connection between Margarita and Ireland, but well, there's an Irish bar everywhere, so there's there's got to be great. one. Where, True. Yeah. And I believe in Mexico. I believe uh, Margarita Prakatan once went to Ireland, so you know. I'll take that then. Yeah. Why not? I mean, I don't know yeah. if that's true and no one's going to fact check it, so I'll, we'll just say it's true. Um, mm -hmm. Now, Tom, it's still quite early in the day for you, where you are, um, but uh, do you have a drink? I actually have very boring water with lemon today, only because for the past week or so, I've had some bad asthma happening here. So I'm drinking lemon. I'm drinking water with lemon in it to help like calm my throat and stuff. Because, you know, normally I would have either limoncello or I'd probably have some Sambuca because that's what I always drink when I come on the show. But <laughs> for today, <laughs> it's just got to be plain old water with lemon in it. Nice. My apologies. <laughs> no, no, not. Hey, look, I've let the side down as well, Tom. So don't worry about it. I mean, you know, you've you've got reasons. I've got no excuse for mine. I've got a, um, what was it? Oh, it's a caramel cookie coffee. Uh, oh, that sounds good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm just... Uh, I'm just, you know, I've got, I overspent on my Nespresso pods, so I've got them coming out my ear rolls, so I thought I'd have a coffee tonight, and yeah, it's, it's caramel cookie. Um, I do enjoy that one, it is quite nice. Mm. That would, would be on my regular rotation, I have to say. Yes, yes. It's, it's, uh, I'm not, I'm just not a massive fan of just like regular plain coffee. Uh, I'll get there one mm -hmm. day. It took me 30 years to even drink a cup of coffee, so, you know, uh, I've still got a long way to go, but uh, there you go. Um, so look. <laughs> Tom, we've we've been trying to get you on for a while, um, and that that's no one's fault. Like you know, you've missed messages, we've missed messages, we just lost touch, and right. um, a lot's changed. I think the last time we had you on, I think was when um, 
Magical Meditations was being released. That was probably then, yes, because that was last year. Mm. And um, that's the album I did where I wrote it for, well, I arranged the songs so that you could sit down, relax, like, you know, lay on the couch, put some earphones or earplugs in or whatever. I can't even talk tonight. Headphones, you know, or earbuds in and just t- turn it on and listen to the tracks and go like rest and relax. So that was that album, which I still it's one of my favorites that I've done. I still love how that turned out. But that would yeah, that would have been last year at some point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you say that it's a nice relaxing album. I mean, and I think we talked about it at the time, but you know, baby mind, you know regardless of the version, mm. will always uh, send me into a little bit of a teary frenzy. So the rest of the album, very much peaceful and relaxing. Mm-hmm. I'll give you that. But uh, yeah, I, Baby Mine, I just I just can't. I don't care how beautiful your arrangement of it is. It still still brings back the memories. Um, but... I um, know. I get, <laughs> it's one of those I songs. It. I mean, I, I hear that song and I get the same way because it's haunting. It's like beautiful, but it's haunting mm. as well. And it's sad. It's got a sad tone to the song. So I totally get it. And the weird thing is, I think, with that as well, you know, I think all of us had, had kind of seen Dumbo um, mm. as kids or certainly as we were growing up. So you've got the you've got the imagery, um, you know, with that song as well. But even when you don't have the imagery, the song, I, I think the way you just described it actually is probably pretty apt. The fact that it is... Mm-hmm. You know, it's got this lovely nature to it, but it's also quite haunting at the same time. And it's that balance, mm-hmm. isn't it, between the light and the dark? It's um, yeah, it's a it's a special song that one. I think. Uh, yeah, and even a... just the word, the words of the song are yep. so beautiful and so mm-hmm. deep, though. I because I think we talked about this before. It's the mother talking about her son, like her baby, like don't listen to what people say. You're beautiful, like don't you cry? You know, it's just I. It gets me every time I hear it. I yeah. just it, it does. Yeah. Yeah. And if you want to hear a lovely arrangement of oh. it, you can you can hear it on <laughs> Magical Meditations. Um There you go. But you announced I think probably a few weeks ago now. Not I wouldn't say as long as a month, but certainly a few weeks ago, um you announced uh, the track listing uh, for your new album. Um so why don't you tell us about that? Sure. This is a new album, a brand new Disney album called The Softer Side of Magic. So I wanted to do another album that was a little bit softer, but not as soft as Magical Meditations. I mean, this I use the regular piano on this album, not the, the felted muted piano from the last one. So this is the regular piano, but I wanted to record some more Disney cover songs that I hadn't done before. Uh, including a couple that I did once or twice. I did once before, well, for example, the Star Wars theme, but I wanted to make it more lullaby-ish mm. instead of the main, you know, expansive theme. So I wanted to do that kind of stuff. But I also was inspired from The Mandalorian. So I have nine cover songs, but the last song in the album is an original piece I wrote, uh, Grogu's Lullaby, because I wanted to write Baby Yoda a lullaby because <laughs> I just love the character. <laughs> So it, it's nine Disney songs, but the last song is an original uh, for Grogu. And yeah, this is this is unusual for me, isn't it? Because well, if I ever meet somebody that doesn't, uh, I mean, I won't be talking to them for very long. That's it's almost impossible. I, you know, my my daughter's got no interest in Star Wars. I've tried, 
uh, but she's not quite there yet. <laughs> yeah. But the first time okay. she saw, you know, what was at the time Baby Yoda, well, that was it. Mm-hmm. You know, she, she'd fallen in love. Yeah. Uh, with a hand puppet, amazing stuff. Amazing. But this is, I mean, it's this just is um, so cute and derpy. You just can't not. It was the best thing about the book about Fett. Well, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> funny. <That's, that's> <laughs> well, actually. I only watched. Yeah, yeah. I agree, though. It just he's there's something about the the way they do him. The it just there's something about him that's magical. Like yeah. that's the magic of Star Wars from the originals. That's but, what I felt. That would. That's what brought it into this century. I thought. But nobody watched The Empire Strikes Back all those years ago, and thought, "Oh, he's quite cute." Do you know what I mean? Like you know, original <laughs> Daddy Yoda. Well, that was. <laughs> that was Yoda, though. He was older. Like this is the yes. baby version. That's True. why. Yeah, I that's, think. Like, that's like looking at my baby photographs, Nick, and thinking, "No, oh, it's a cute baby," and then looking at me now. I mean, that's the difference we're talking about here. Did you did you have <laughs> yeah. hair as a baby? That's the question. Ooh. Not initially, not much anyway, you know. <laughs> I'm sort of getting back to that state, really. Shrinking, <laughs> losing yeah. hair. I, 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 I've still never seen a picture of, of you with hair. I mean, that is, that's a goal. Oh, I can provide one. Uh, okay. Yeah. Patreon, does good, good reason for you to sign up to Patreon. It'll be on the Patreon. Um nice. But yeah, I mean, yeah, Grogu, Grogu's uh, an amazing character, and I think, I think you're right. So I mean, it's it's given the franchise of Star Wars such a boost because, and I don't know, I don't, I don't think we talked with you about them, but I mean, obviously, uh, we had you on back when um, the Force Awakens was coming out because you did an album of of Star Wars music. Um, right. I don't think we ever right. talked with you about. Uh, like the, the latest uh, Star Wars trilogy. Um, now, as somebody, I know it's grown up with Star Wars and loves Star Wars, obviously. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about the the last trilogy of films? You know, I liked, I have to say, I'm a Star Wars nut for the first three, like, because I grew up with them and that's what I love. So that's what I consider my Star Wars. I didn't like the ones that were in the 90s and early 2000s. Like, I, I just, they were okay, but the magic of those original three were not there. Now, I felt that the new trilogy did better, the J.J. Abrams ones and stuff like I thought those were better. I, I liked Ray and all that. But I just love the first three. Like, those are the ones that I love. Like, at Disney World, I wish they would use the characters of the first three. Mm-hmm. Or, or episodes four, five, and six, to be technical. Like the new Galaxy <laughs> Hotel, you know, thing that I'll never be able to go on. I'll never be able to afford it. But I wish that it encompassed all the old characters. But I, I, I realize why they do the new characters, because it's current. And it's what people know. And it's what this generation knows. But my Star Wars is the old R2-D2, C-3PO, Yoda, like all the old stuff from 77 to 83 or whatever. That's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, no, I, 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 you know, I agree with that. I, um, that was my year as well. And I thought the prequels were okay, but not, you know, mm-hmm. a, a, in many ways a bit of a misstep. But then the last trilogy, I think they, they, they did make some amends and looked at a bit better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel they, they were in an improvement on the prequels. Um, you know, I'm a I'm a fan mm-hmm. of the the new trilogy, but um, I do understand why some don't like it. Uh, I get that, and I think 
what's interesting because I mean we we did an episode uh, a couple of weeks ago now just after the Galactic Star Cruiser um, was doing uh-huh. its uh, first voyages, and uh, you know we were talking about what you know we then knew it to be and what initial reactions were and what we felt about it and blah blah blah, and as you you mentioned you know it's it's a very expensive experience and we've talked about this as well mm-hmm. and you would think that the the people that have the money to do this will be of a certain age and it you know and their star wars films will be four five and six and that's not mm-hmm. to say that they can't enjoy any of the others or all of them right of course they can but you would think that the way you really entice people in is to give them the absolute gold, not the silver, definitely not the bronze. But you give them the uh-huh. gold, and yeah, I, I, my biggest problem with um, with Galaxy's Edge as a whole, uh, you know, area, is the fact that it's all based on this new trilogy because that's what Disney is trying to sell right now. But they've sold sure, it, sure. you know, it's done. You know what's mm-hmm. popular. You know what those films are done. And yet you've set your whole experience in those three films. And now you've got stuff like right. The Mandalorian, which you can't even put in there because that's a different time period again. That's four, five, and six era. Yeah. So that yeah. is massively popular. And you pigeonhole yourself into this situation where you didn't expect The Mandalorian to be as big as it was, but now it is. And now the world's mm. obsessed with with Grogu. And you can't see him anywhere right. because he can't he can't be seen there. <clears throat> you know? Imagine if they had a Grogu meet and greet on Galactic Star Cruiser. Imagine how many more people would be willing to pay to go and do that. Can you imagine? Can you even imagine? I know. That's where the bank loans come in, I think. I know what Craig would say if he was here. He'd be saying, take my money. Yes. (laughs) Yes, He he absolutely would. Um, But so this is is interesting because, um, you know, on all the albums you've done before, for you know your your Disney based albums, they've all been mm-hmm. um, you know using the music that you know we we know and love from different films and and TV series. But with this lullaby, you have you know written your first original Disney piece. Yeah, it's exciting because I wanted to d- throw something just a little different onto the album. So that came as like a surprise or, oh, this is interesting because everyone will know the other nine songs and then they'll get to Grogu's Lullaby and say, oh, what's that? You know, I'd, I'd never heard that before and check it out. So I just wanted to do something a little different for it. Mm. And I felt it kind of fit the album because yeah. it's a lullaby song and it helps end the album on a nice note and it's fun and happy, a little bit haunting, like a little bit. I'm trying to forget right the word because Grogu encompasses a lot of things for me because he's so charming and happy and fun. But there's like a haunting side to the character. Like there's like a little bit of sadness or, or contemplative, like what's going to happen to him. You know, he's just a child, but yet he's so wise in certain terms. It's, I don't know. He encompasses a lot of stuff for me. So I kind of wanted to put some of that into that lullaby. So it's not just a cutesy Oh, what a cute little lullaby! There's got a little bit of sadness in it, just a little bit. Yeah, but mm. well, we'll see if hopefully, I hopefully people like it. So we'll see. Well, I mean, the album's not coming out for a few weeks. Um, you did kindly send me over 
uh, a copy in advance, which I'm going to share with the team mm-hmm. after we finished uh, recording tonight, so they can uh, give their thoughts as well. But um, I did have time to listen to one song, and I was like, right, I've, I've got about enough time to listen to one song. What do I choose? <laughs> now, the obvious answer would have been Grogu's Lullaby, because we just spent a long time talking about it, but no. The, sure, track, sure. the track I chose was <laughs> Alice in Wonderland because... I knew you were um, going to choose Alice well, in Wonderland. Of course, yeah, of course. Because yeah. uh, I don't know if you know this, Tom, but I've got a daughter called Alice. Um, Alice in Wonderland is one of my... And uh, my wife's favourite uh, Disney films. Um, and thankfully, my daughter also loves Alice in Wonderland because that had been really unfortunate. So um, yeah. that's the one I had to... You know, that was like, right, that's the one I'm listening to right now. And... Um, it wasn't what I was expecting in a in a really positive way, but okay. The way the way that you've you've you well, I, I suppose how you put it together, right? I mean, you don't just <laughs> read a, a a music score and just play along to it. You know, you've you've kind of almost like deconstructed it and put it back together in your own way. Is that fair to say? Oh, thank you. I think so, yeah, because what I try to do, if you listen to my my music of Disney, I just try to um, bring my own personal touch into the song while trying to stay true to the original, but also put my creative stamp on it. I think that's what I basically try to do with all the music. So on Alice in Wonderland, I just wanted to do it in a more easygoing, but yet rooted more in the 50s from the era that it came at. Mm. So it's a little bit jazzier, just a little bit like um, like a big band song, a slow big band ballad or something mm. like that. So there's a couple chords in there that are that you don't normally hear in the pop music, but and I put a little melody that I created throughout it in the beginning and to split the verses up, just to give it a little bit of a different flavor. But I love the melody. I've always loved Alice in Wonderland. The song is really great, and I I would play it a lot when I play out at gigs and stuff. It's a great song. So I just kind of wanted to put my little spin on that and see how it turned out. You've succeeded. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, that's, oh, exactly, you. that's exactly it. I mean, the thing is, if you had just played the music, it would have still been great, right? Of course. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you mm-hmm. like the song, you know the song and, and everything like that. And, you know, you are obviously excellent at playing the piano. Uh which is probably why you're so successful. Thank you. Um, But but for you to, you know, kind of, you know, as you just explained there, how you you put this together uh, is is great because you've not just played the same song. You know, you've you've made these, you know, slight variations to it and stuff like that. And yeah, it's great. I can't Mm -hmm. wait. I mean, unfortunately, my my daughter's already uh, in bed uh, but uh, I'll be playing that to her tomorrow before she goes to school. I'm sure she'll get her. Oh, nice. Very cool. <laughs> um, oh, but that's I was, awesome. I was interested with some of the other. I mean, we'll go through the tracks. Um, so the first one okay. is uh, the Star Wars main theme. I think we all know what that sure. one is. So that's why. We fine. all know that song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the next, and I, is this, well, you can tell me if this is the correct order, if I'm just reading them in a random order. But um, the next one sure. I've got is the Rainbow Connection. That is correct. That's song number two. Oh, I, uh, yeah. Such a, a, just like Baby Mine, it's another one of those songs mm-hmm. that as soon as I hear it, like the hairs start, you know, sticking up my arm. It's such an amazing mm-hmm. song. And I never saw the Muppet. I, I used to watch the Muppets when I was younger, but I never saw the Muppet movies until I okay. was much, much older. So I don't even have this 
extended connection to the rainbow connection. You know, it's it's not something that's been with me all my life. It's been something that was probably okay. quite late, but yet it still has this massive emotional impact on me. <laughs> I understand that. Trust me, when I hear the song myself, it's the same way for me. You know, I when I was, gosh, when did I first learn that song? Probably in the 80s when I was a teenager and just learning music and stuff. It was one of the songs I had learned for a Muppet um, medley. I think we were doing with a show choir. I was playing the piano for a show choir and they were doing a Muppet medley um, from the Muppet movie. And that of course was the last song in the medley. And I fell in love with it. I'm like, this is beautiful. And then of course, watching the movie through the years was really cool. And to have Kermit singing, it was great. And it's just, it's a song that connects with people on a really deep level. I, I watched the, um, the YouTube videos recently when they did the rainbow connection on Spaceship Earth at Epcot. Mm. for the celebration it was beautifully done i loved it and so i put a um i think a facebook post out and i said i was just curious you guys i kind of want to put rainbow connection on the album should i do it or not so i just put the survey out there to see what people thought and everyone said yeah do it because we love the song i said okay i think i'll do it (laughs) so that's that's why it's on there that's why it's there um yeah i can't i can't wait to uh to hear it but again i'll I've got to listen to it at the right time because I don't want to, you know, sure, of course. Before, before, before I have a call at work, I don't want to be listening to the Rainbow Connection just in case I'm still still crying when people join the call. Um, <laughs> of course. <laughs> you know, you've got, to, you've got to be sensible sometimes. Um, now, the next track, I'm not actually that familiar with. I, I don't think I am anyway. So I've got God Help the Outcasts. That's song number three now. That's from uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame, the '90s mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. yeah, which is Weird. which is one of my daughter's Katie's favorite movies when she was you know she was only a little kid when it came out. That's and, that's pretty amazing because the yeah. it's one of my all time favorite Disney films. It's one of my yeah. favorite. Uh, Stephen, <clears throat> I'm sorry, Stephen Schwartz did the lyrics. Alan Menken did the music. I think it's yeah. one of Alan Menken's greatest scores ever. It yeah. is so profound it is so beautifully written it's so mm. deep it was really not a movie for kids no. I mean, the hunchback it really was not it was an adult movie but it was so well done and the music was so profound yeah. and i've always loved god help the outcast it was the big ba- mm. one of the big ballads from the the musical so that uh from the show so that's why i wanted to put that on this album because i'd never recorded it before yeah. and yeah. i thought I'd, I'd do it on this one it's a great movie like you got to check it out it if is you i mean it, it it doesn't get the love it deserves, really. No. And it was a big movie at the time, um, but yeah, yeah, it just seems to have been overtaken by other well, things. But it was it yeah. was rough. It was rough because um, I, I have seen it, but only once. So that's why mm. uh, it didn't okay. it didn't strangle. Okay. I thought maybe that's where it came from, just because of the mm-hmm. nature of what the story is about, right? But I wasn't entirely sure, so mm. that's good. But yeah, I did watch it, but not till I was an adult, and it was. I think the problem, I remember when The Hunchback came out, and mm-hmm. if I remember rightly, it wasn't that long after Toy Story. Like, I want to say it might have been the summer uh-huh. after Toy Story or something. And so, okay. I think at that time, you had this, you'd had this renaissance with Disney, obviously, with like The Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast and The Lion King. Mm-hmm. And then you had Toy Story, and Toy Story mm-hmm. was like nothing you'd ever seen before. And then you saw the, right. and then the next thing was the Hunchback, which, as you said, wasn't really. And I mean, I, I remember the merchandise, and I remember it being advertised at McDonald's and all this kind mm-hmm. of stuff. But 
mm-hmm. really it wasn't it's not a kids film like it's it's dark it's it's much darker it is dark yeah than even i think i think hunchback came out because i just checked there so it came out in 1996 and Mm. i was obsessed with the hunchback i was like the prime (laughs) age for it i still have an esmeralda tail sitting in the hot press across the hall so i still have that to this day and i think my auntie got it for me in disney world when i was a kid Mm -hmm. but i think it came out in that period of movies that kind of get a little bit lost because you had as you mentioned nick toy story but there's also like the lion king came out around then and beauty and the beast so you have those big hitters but then you have those absolute gems like the hunchback of notre dame and hercules Mm -hmm. as well that kind of get forgetting but the music of both of them is absolutely incredible Yeah, yeah it's true true yeah, 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 I think I think that's it. I think it was the timing more than anything else. And I think the music in The Hunchback, well, you just, again, you just had Lion King. So you just had Elton John uh, and Tim Rice. And mm-hmm. that's a very particular style. And then you go back to this, which, again, is is uh, a ch- another change. And it's probably more traditional than, mm-hmm. you know, The Lion King is, but in, in terms of the music style, but... It's different mm. again. Yeah, I think that I think it was a combination of things. But Sinead is right in that anyone Sinead's a bit younger than us all. I'm not going to embarrass uh, us by how much <laughs> younger she is, but she's let's just say pretty much younger than us. Um, <laughs> but everyone that I know around your age, Sinead, is the same. Like Boston, bless her cotton socks. Um, when she was on here, she, that was her favorite Disney film as well and she's still obsessed with with Esmeralda so I think it it, different like a lot of Disney films they they kind of hit a certain demographic but the thing is things like being the beast and the Lion King and Aladdin they seem to kind of venture further out you know that seemed to be a whole generational thing you know adults grandparents and kids all watch those films together whilst the hunchback I think was the the point when that wasn't happening quite as much. I, I, I can't explain why, but that definitely seems to be the case. It definitely seems to be a demographic for it. And, um, and you know, like you said, with things like Hercules, there's a lot of love for that now that wasn't really there at the time. Mm. You know, you see much more merchandise and stuff now for Hercules, which you didn't oh. see anything for for years. You know, no. you, you get stuff when the film comes out and then that's it. And it's the same with Hunchback. You didn't see, once Hunchback came out, you saw nothing for years. And then I think the first time I probably remember seeing anything to do with Hunchback after the film came out was the uh, Disney Dream Show in Disneyland Paris. Oh, okay. So um, I don't, have you seen Happily Ever After, Tom, at uh, Magic Kingdom? Then I have, no, shows. I did not. Okay. No, I haven't. I'm going to change it again now. But, but basically, what Disneyland Paris did is that they had this show um, back in uh, 2012, for the 20th anniversary, and it was uh, they projection mapped onto the castle. And what they would do is the way that they projection mapped, they would change how the castle looked. So, mm. um, you know, it might look like a massive slot machine from like Las Vegas when the genie's singing Friend Like Me. Okay. Um, and then there was a segment with the Hunchback where they made the castle look like uh, Notre Dame Cathedral. And um, oh, that's cool. Was it? What's, yeah, the, what's the song? What's the, is it called Up There? It's not called Up There, is it? Yeah. Shade. It is. Up. Okay. Um, 
think so. out there is that the out way you're thinking yeah, of in the ballad yeah, yeah. out there yeah <laughs> so the quasimodo thing that's his big ballad yeah that's right yeah. so he's he's there and he's kind of swinging uh, around and he's kind of like disappearing into a window and coming out of another one while you know he's seeing this ballad and yeah. it's it's beautiful and you know that was a point i thought wow considering as well that obviously like Beauty and the Beast, that film is set in Paris or set in France. Um, right. They never really did anything with it. And also, Beauty and the Beast is another one which in Disneyland Paris, they don't really do that much with. Hmm. Whilst the other parks okay. seem to do a lot more stuff with uh, Beauty and the <laughs> Beast. So it's it's strange you think they'd, they'd want to focus on it there, but no. But that was the first time I thought, oh, they're doing something with the Hunchback again. And then now you can hmm. buy backpacks and you know dolls again and stuff so it's it's um, finally i think getting the respect it deserved at the time but was yeah. uh was sadly lacking um okay. we talked we talked about alice in wonderland um yeah. the next one ironically <laughs> wasn't even paying attention <laughs> to the list but the next one is be our guest so from back to to beauty in the beast to- Beauty and the Beast. We're going back now to 1991, I think, is when Beauty and the Beast came out. But it's, I mean, Beauty and the Beast is one of the best. It's just a classic. The music is outstanding. I mean, it's just a great, great movie. And Be Our Guest, I wanted to try to do it in a slower, softer kind of way. Because, you know, that's a huge number in the movie. It's a huge, huge chorus number and blah, blah, blah. So I thought, wouldn't it be interesting just to do it a little bit softer, you know, make it a ballad, a little bit lullaby-ish in places, and let's see how it turned out. And I worked really hard on it because I was kind of obsessed with it because the song changes keys every verse. So the song changes keys. There's incidentals everywhere. I mean, it's not the easiest Disney song to play Mm. because there's a lot of stuff going on in there. But I thought it turned out really well. I like what I did. And I hope people like it because it's one of the favorites that I did. But I spent a lot of time on it, recording it. So, but it's a great song. It's just, it's a great song, very fun. And I think that my version encapsulates that fun, but it's just a slower, more relaxing version of it. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Um, Then, I mean, you said, you you know, we're going back in time, but I mean, now you're going all the way back. Because the next song is uh, mm. "Whistle While You Work." You can't go any further back. Than Whistle. That. I think we missed one. This is going way back, but I wanted to put this one on the album because I turned it. In musical terms, the song "Whistle While You Work" is in four-four timing, so there's four counts to each measure. So it's a, it's in a, a common time in pop music. I wanted to change that, so I turned it into a almost a waltz. So I put it into a three-four time to make it sound different and feel different, but it's still playful and fun and very light, but I wanted to do like a three, four version of it, make it waltzy kind of. And so that's why I wanted to put that on the album. And I thought it turned out pretty well. I've always loved the song. I think it's a cute little song. I, I've, I've always loved the music of Snow White. I mean, I think it's great. And I thought, why not put this on there, do something from really way back? and uh see how it goes and so that that's what i did with that song so if you listen to it you're going to notice that it sounds a little different it's a little but it's still the same song hmm. but a waltz that's that's interesting i mean i know nothing that's about kind of... how to how to write music or i i know the speed i know four four 
but that's about it. There you go. Uh, there anything you go. other than that, and I'm lost. So I'm glad you explained <laughs> that to people. Uh, if people, you yeah, know, I don't, I don't think people understand this is an educational podcast as much as anything else. Exactly right. You're getting a little music education. <laughs> I mean, no, this, it's just it's this the, episode. The is. three four turns it into like a a waltzy kind of thing. That's all. It's that's generally all it all does. Uh, but um, it should be fun. I hope people like it. I I really like how it turned out. It's um, it's a great song. It's a great song. Um, I mean, Snow White mm. has has like some good songs in it. Anyway, I mean, it's a it's a strange yeah. film to watch back now. I think because of course, yeah. you know, tonally, it's it's not what you're. Well, I mean, the the early Disney films in general. You know, Pinocchio is another one. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they are much darker than you probably remembered them when she was a kid. But uh, yeah. watch them now. <laughs> it's quite the experience. Um, Mr. D, you said mm. I missed one out. What one do you... What, well, the, the, I might not have the same list, or maybe in a different order, but the one, the list I'm looking at, had um, before that, I had a song from Moana. How oh, I've got oh, that as the yeah. next one. Oh, you've got it as the next one. Okay, right. It might think that switched in the final. Yeah, How Far I Go should be after Be Our Guest, I think is How Far I Go is what's next. Technically, okay. that's in the final. I might have given you a list that there was a couple things that got changed, but very minor. Um, but yeah, how far, I love Moana. I thought Moana was great. I yeah. love the music. Same. I mean, I, I'm a fan of Lin-Manuel Miranda. I think he writes great stuff, and he's one of those triple threat kind of guys where like he writes the words and the music and he does all kinds of stuff. And it's, he amazes me, but I wanted to do Moana cause I loved it. And I thought how far I'll go might sound really nice. Cause it's a ballad, but slow down just a little bit um, with certain different chord structures in between, which I put in there, but I, I like how it turned out. It's, it's very relaxing version of the song where it builds and builds just to a crescendo at the end of the piece, which is, I thought would be nice. Um, but it's a great song. And I wanted to do something, wanted to throw in a couple songs on this album that were more modern, you know, that, that modern audiences of Disney would, would know like kids today, instead of just the, the songs from the nineties and stuff. So, <laughs> and I thought how far I'll go would be a good, good one to do. Now I'd actually describe uh, Lin Manuel Miranda as a as a quadruple threat because I've heard he's very handy in a knife fight, but that's only rumours. <laughs> um, but Sinead, I know that you are uh, or you become a massive fan of uh, Lin Manuel's work as well. Yeah, yeah, I think I think he's probably the closest thing that Disney have, except for probably the Lopez's. Him and the Lopez are probably the closest thing that I suppose music and animation has now too. Alan Menken who's already been mentioned so like I think he is that kind of new generation of that and I think the fact that he is a person of color and he likes to tell the stories of people of color and does it in a very authentic way I think that is something that is drastically been needed as well um but yeah big fan of Lima Miranda I think he's great I completely agree I love it yeah I love it now I've I've seen I've not seen Moana as many times as you'd, you'd think. I mean, my daughter's <laughs> watched it God knows how many times. I've only watched it, I think, two or three times. But oh, the soundtrack, when the film came out, was on in the car, every single car journey, for about yeah. six months. Um, so I know <laughs> I know the uh, I know the soundtrack very, very well. Um, 
and uh, yeah, I mean, there are some some cracking songs on there, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think I, I, arguably it's probably uh, the Moana version of like Let It Go in it being like the big number that people always talk about. Right. Yeah, exactly. I yeah. Think. It's like, Maybe. Yeah. but I mean, it's, but, but Moana's full of like great songs anyway. Um, but on that, um, have you seen Encanto? Yes, I have. That's why I put the next song on this album because <laughs> I know like I'm reading a book, read a lot of mixed reviews. I, I'm sorry, what's <laughs> so just like a, I'm, I don't know if I'm a talented mind reader or what I am, but there's you know, the way I segue into the <laughs> next it. song is incredible. <laughs> it's perfect. This is perfect. But I only saw Encanto recently, like a month ago. I didn't watch it when it first came out. I didn't, I just, I didn't have time to watch it and whatever. Then I was, had a free night when I'm like, you know what? I'm going to watch this because the music was blown up and it was everywhere. And I was like, let me watch this. And I really loved it. I mean, the, I, I know it has some mixed reviews and some people really don't like it. I thought it was really charming. I really loved it. I loved the music. You know, I thought some of the songs were really well done. And I thought I loved Bruno. We don't talk about Bruno. I mean, I thought it was a very catchy song. And I had considered trying to do that one. But I thought the Dos Borgitas would be much better because I just wanted to do it as a ballad, like kind of like it is, but as a solo piano song so that you could just sit back and relax to the melody because it's a beautiful, beautiful melody. It's a really, really nice song. So that's why I decided to put that on there to have a really current Disney song on the album, which I don't think I've done before. I don't think I've had like a real current song on the album when I would release them. No, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, when did, I think it came out uh, originally in November. So we're about five months, six months almost by the time uh, the album gets Uh released. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's extremely close to, uh, so when when the music was first released so yeah yeah and it's still up i mean still bruno is as of this recording right is still like number two on the billboard hot 100 i mean it's a huge huge hit and then he had that other um surface pressure made the billboard top 10 as well so he had two disney had two songs on the billboard like top 10 Hmm. which is like for a cartoon which is unbelievable so people really love this music and it really touched a heart, touched um, on the hearts of a lot of people, including me. I, I love the movie, so I thought, why not pull one of those songs on there? So I have two uh, Lin Manuel Miranda songs on this album. <laughs> nice. <laughs> we won't tell him. Um, yeah, I mean, I I was one of those. I was very mixed on on it um, as a film, mm-hmm. but I've only seen it once, um, and I know okay. I've got to watch it again. And the problem is, I made the same. Uh, mistake with soul um both of those films got oh. released on uh, on christmas day so right. we had like the big christmas dinner and then we'd had presents and the kids you know get up at a crack of dawn on christmas day because it's christmas day uh-huh. so i was a bit tired watching the film so i probably wasn't in the right mood uh to watch sure. it sure. so but um like you say the the soundtrack just like when uh, when Frozen came out, really as well, mm-hmm. it's just something you you just hear everywhere. You know, people doing cover versions, people doing TikTok videos, um, right. all sorts. You can't you can't move from. Uh, we don't talk about Bruno, certainly. Um, 
But, I know. Uh, I know. But it's good. You know, it's it's <laughs> it's it's really interesting that Disney have, have started to find this kind of niche now, where the music is almost more popular than the films. Almost. I mean, yeah. Obviously, the films are still like very popular, but they never seem to have the the impact outside of you know the film itself that they do now like you know mm. Beauty of the Beast people knew the music and you know people would buy the soundtrack and stuff like that but uh-huh. they would never you know get into the pop charts like they are now right. you know and and um I'm writing I'm writing this today aren't I that we don't talk about Bruno was number one in the UK charts recently as well I'm pretty sure it was. I know it overtook Let It Go as like the most streamed song or something like that. My yeah. fact on that could definitely be wrong. But I do remember saying seeing that it had overtaken Let It Go, um, uh-huh. which I found utterly mind-boggling because I worked in Disney when Frozen was a thing yeah. and oh. how how anything could be played more than Let It Go, I will never comprehend. <laughs> there but was that's a, a different kettle of fish. There was a video, Tom, and I'm sure Sinead would be very... Uh, familiar with it because of her time working at Disney Store when this happened, um, and I I wouldn't go to Disney Store that often, but it, it happened every time mm-hmm. I went in there. They had a video of Let It Go, where they had every line sung in a different dialect. No way! So they had if, oh if you if you put a gun to myself and KP's head, I guarantee you the two of us could sing that. <laughs> in all, in all the, the accents would be brutal and we would murder it wow. but I distinctly remember us being in Disneyland Paris and the Let It Go part of Illuminations came on and myself KP and our friend Amy sang the full 25 languages version of it because it obviously starts out in French so oh. yes I am very aware of that it was. Uh, it's a very clever wow. video. I think it's. I'm, I'm sure it must be uh, available on YouTube for anyone who wants to go through the punishment. But it was very interesting because obviously, you know, every every country would have a different voice actress uh, for Elsa. So you're hearing the song, and obviously the melody and the music uh, yeah. is all the same, but the voices are all all sound very distinctive. And then obviously it's in a language that you don't understand unless you speak the language and it would it would pop up on the screen what um you know what country this mm-hmm. part was so you'd get like a little french flag and a little norwegian flag and a little um they even went as to as to have like different dialects as well because they had like yes. french canadian they had catalonia spanish and then oh wow standard spanish and like latin spanish so they really went into the, like the nuances of it as well oh yeah dialects as well it was really impressive yeah it's very yeah very well done video to... I say I have to. I've never seen that. I wonder if it's on YouTube. I might have to watch it. Yeah, I'm I've sure. I'm sure. That. I'm sure it must be. It must be on there. Yeah. But every time wow. I went into a Disney store, within five minutes of me, me being in the video, <laughs> uh, the Disney store, that would play on one of the big screens. So, uh, oh, I can only imagine what it was like for for you and KP. And I do do have my uh, my sympathies. Um, <laughs> now, the last song. Oh my god. The the last song on here. Obviously, other than the, the lullaby we've we've talked about, um, mm-hmm. is from I think another Disney film, which again suffered because of when it came out, because it came out at the mm. same time as Toy Story Two, so it was another yeah. one that kind of got a little bit ignored uh, at the time. Mm. Other than the um, the toy that got recalled because of uh, parental concerns, um, but that's mm. Tarzan. Um, which obviously had a, a you know 
another famous score from a British artist in uh, Phil Collins, and you've gone for You'll Be In My Heart. Yes, I've always loved that song. From Tar- I've actually, I think the music from Tarzan is great as well. I think Phil Collins did a really good job with what he had to do, and he had that really cool way of putting um, the ethnic beats into his songs. Well, he was a drummer and a percussionist, so pro- that's probably why they went to him mm. to do this kind of a score. And I thought it worked so well uh, to make you feel like you're in the jungles and learning about Tarzan and all the apes and that kind of stuff. I thought the music was fantastic. And I always loved that ballad. I thought it was a very sweet ballad, mm. you know, and the words again in that song are, are amazing. So I wanted to do just, a, you know, a softer version of it on this album. I had originally was thinking of doing, doing the song for the magical meditations album, but I had already had, I think like 14 songs on that album. I said, no, let's put this for a, a different day. So I'll save it. And so I thought it would go better on this, this album. That's why I did it, but it's, it's just a great song and a beautiful melody. And I, I love the song. So that's why I went with that Tarzan. And I don't yeah. think I haven't ever recorded anything from Tarzan before. Okay. From what I remember, I don't think I have. Uh, Mr. D, so, I mean, your your daughters at this time must have been a, a ripe age for Tarzan. Were they fans of the film? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't it, it wasn't their favourite. I mean, I'd say, you know, Beauty and the Beast, Little Mermaid, um, and and uh, actually, as I mentioned before, Hunchback in Notre Dame. Um, those were probably some of the bigger movies. But you know, Tarzan was pretty popular and. It was in the parks. I remember we went to see the Tarzan Rocks show. Um, oh yeah, I remember was, that. I saw that. I yeah, saw yeah, that. It was in the theater in the wild, which was the the open yeah. air one, and it was a good show. You know, it was um, a good show. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, I don't know if you, I don't know if you were in the past at this time, Tom, but we talked about Hunchback in Notre Dame. But there was a Hunchback in Notre Dame show in the studios. And that was a really good show as uh, well. But uh, that, I don't think I saw that one. No, mm, I don't think I saw yeah. that. But uh, but yeah, I mean, Tarzan. It was quite a popular film, but as you're saying, it you know, there's a lot of other films coming up back of it, so it mm-hmm. kind of came and then seemed to fade relatively quickly compared to some of the other ones. Right, right. Um, but still, still a good film. What about you, Sinead? I. No, I would have seen it as a kid, but I have zero recollection of that being one of those Disney movies that I loved as a kid. I found a box not that long ago in my parents' house of all the old VHSs that I had. And funnily enough, it was all the movies that I was upset that I would associate as being like my Disney movies when I was a kid. And I don't think Tarzan was ever was ever one of those but i do i adore you'll be in my heart i think it is such a beautiful song Mm. and any disney playlist i would ever stick on it's generally in there um because it's just it's just beautiful yeah phil collins is i agree he's he's a weird artist because you 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 know you you know him as a drummer right but he's done some really amazing songs over the years and oh yeah i think sure. i think for quite a while he was seen not as a not as a novelty but i don't think people like took him that seriously and i think on oh. reflection people now look at his uh his back catalog with a lot more um mm. kindness to it and realize you know how great some of his his work really was and and 
yeah, I think Tarzan was one of those films which... And, and Shay, did you ever see the show at Disneyland Paris? No. I can't remember what it was called. I don't think so. But, I mean, it ran for years. Like, I think the last time I saw it was probably around 2010, maybe. So it ran for a long time. And it was in the... Oh. Um, oh. Uh, what's the uh, the uh, uh, theatre in Frontierland? Isn't that Frontierland Theatre? <laughs> It wasn't called that at the time. I was like, oh. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's got a very straightforward name. But they, but they had uh, they had a live Tarzan show there, which had you know involved lots of trampolines and ropes, so you can imagine what they were doing. Um, but um, yeah, obviously they they play the, the the soundtrack as well, and um, oh. that was the first time I think I'd really paid attention to it. I'd heard obviously snippets, and I'd seen the film I think once and. I was like, oh yeah, it's quite a nice song, but seeing it in a show with other stuff going around you, I was like, yeah, it's a really nice song actually. When you you stop and think about it, it's just like really well crafted. I think. Yeah, it's a beautiful song. The music from the film is great too. Even the opening number, like how riveting it is, telling the beginning of the story, it's really good. And I think he did. I mean, Phil Collins did really great with that music. I thought. Mm-hmm. I tell you, one of the. Um... Just on a similar note, one of the, the great lost things for me is what Sting would have done with the Emperor of the Sun. Hmm. Um, I don't know. Do you, do you know about that, Tom? I do not, no. So there was a Disney film that came out in 2001, I think, called The Emperor's New Groove. But Oh, when yeah, it was... I remember that, yes. Okay, so when it was first put together... Um, it was a much more serious film and it was called The Emperor of the Sun and Sting was um, and I think I think the reason why Sting agreed to do it more than anything else was because Phil Collins basically said look I'm doing this stuff for Tarzan really enjoying myself so you should do it so he agreed to write the music for the film and it was at the time when you know Hercules hadn't done very well. Um, Mulan, Pocahontas, they hadn't really done that well. And uh-huh. I think they were seeing that the more serious kind of Disney films just weren't, you know, able to compete with like your Toy Stories and your Bugs Life and stuff like that. So they decided that halfway through making the film, it wasn't going to work. It wasn't going to um, be uh, the film that they want it to be in terms of a success so they just scrapped it and started again and they went down this kind of like zany route a little bit like they've done with Hercules um, and made it more like a kind of like old fashioned road comedy Um, and that meant that they didn't need Sting's work anymore so it never happened but um, there was a documentary because his wife is a documentarian um, and she she was filming all this stuff um, and the documentary has never been officially released. Every now and again, it pops up in quite low quality on YouTube when somebody uploads it. But it, it lasts for a few weeks or months until Disney notices it and get it taken down. <laughs> um, but it's all Makes about down. yeah. Wow. But it's all about the making of you know what they were doing, and you can see I've only I only managed to watch about half of it before it last got taken down, um, oh. but. Yeah, you you see, you know, Sting, you know, writing all this like amazing music, um, and you know, working with the filmmakers and seeing the animation and thinking, oh, this is really great. And then 
just just things like just go downhill and then all of a sudden he's he's out but they did keep one wow. of the songs and it's on the soundtrack album and it's i think it's what they play over the end credits if memory serves but uh it's i mean i love the emperor's new groove it's one of those films that didn't do very well but i actually think is is quite underrated but you do wonder what you would have got had that not happened had they just carried on mm-hmm. and and made this film so it's the it's the great unknown for me yeah like a, a disney soundtrack with sting oh my that would have been really cool yeah. i think mm-hmm. uh, next, that'd be great ne- next time it's available i'll let you know <laughs> I'll drop you a link. <laughs> Let me know because I'd love to check it out. Yeah, when I can. At least, well, I mean, while it's still up there. Yeah, I think it's, if I remember rightly, I think it's called the hot box because that's what they referred to uh, the work environment right. of, of Disney in that particular building or something. But uh, yeah, it pops up every now uh, and again. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll keep you posted on that. Wow. Um, well, that's cool. I did not know that. Oh, there you go. See, everyone's learning a lesson today. Great stuff. <laughs> I'm learning, see? I'm learning new stuff. This is awesome. This is great. Um, Got a little trivia fact about Phil Collins. Go on. He was a child actor, Phil Collins, and he uh, was in a scene for Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. No. But they, but they cut the scene, so he never oh, actually really? appeared in the film. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. I didn't know that either. Yeah. He was in a few things. He was in a Hard Day's Night, the Beatles movie, just uncredited in the in the crowd. Bloody and uh, obviously wow. he did he did stuff later on like Buster and Miami Vice and things like that. But uh, but yeah, he was almost in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Wow! <laughs> wow! <laughs> Every gosh. day is a school day. It is. Um, so Tom, um, just uh, finally, um, can you tell people again what the album is called and also? when they can find it and also where they'll be able to find it. Sure. Uh, the album is called the softer side of magic. And if they go to my website online, Tom, music.com and that's a M E E N Tom, music.com. It'll be right there on the front page as soon as they go to there and they could click the picture, the softer side, and it'll bring up links to where they can listen to it. You can download MP3s or you can listen to it for free. It'll be on, Spotify and Amazon Music. It'll be on Apple Music. It'll be everywhere. So even if you go on to, if you're like a Spotify member, you could just type in my name or Softer Side of Magic, and it'll pop up there as well, or on Apple or wherever. But yep, it'll it should be everywhere, and it comes out April first. Perfect, perfect. Um, and yeah, yes. and and if you do that as well um, in any of those services, you will also find uh, Tom's back catalogue. So you can listen to uh, some of the other uh, albums that we talked about briefly as well. Um, so thank you very much for that, Tom. Really uh, appreciate it. Can't wait to hear uh, the rest of the album uh, later on. And, uh, you know, obviously wish you every success. And, uh, you know, by all means, you're always welcome to come when you've got something uh, you're working on. But aside from the music, you did recently travel from the other side of america to disney world i did i had a trip that i had planned with my dad i actually went to florida just to meet my dad for a visit and we met some family down while we were down there and just kind of had a relaxing week uh down in florida but we went to disney one day we just did epcot for the day 
And because it's my favorite park and I hadn't been there in a few years. And so I just wanted to go walk around. But I have to tell you, it was packed. I mean, it was so crowded. It was I couldn't get on any of the the new rides that I had not been. I wanted to see the Ratatouille ride, but I couldn't get on that because we weren't going to pay for the Genie Plus or anything. Yeah, We just wanted to just kind of go and walk around and just because we had been there many times before. So that's lucky for me that I don't feel like, oh my God, I've got to see this, this, and this. And I wanted to basically spend a lot of time in World Showcase and just walk around there. But we didn't use the Genie Plus. We just walked around and tried to get on whatever we could, but it was still a fun day, but it's, you know, that's a podcast for another day with all the changes that are happening there right now. It's like, oh, I, I don't want to get into it, but I mean, you just pay so much money to get into the park and I'm like, I'm not paying more money to go on ride. I'm just not doing it. Uh, and then we wanted to go on test track, but there was still like an 80 minute wait. And you know, my dad's 75. I'm not going to ask him to wait like two hours and an hour and a half for a ride. I'm just not going to do it, but we still had a great time. And we went to the world showcase, walked around. I have to tell you though, I hate, and I'm not the only one I know. I hate the barges and in the, in the, um, on the lake mm-hmm. at world showcase. Oh, at yeah, the lagoon. I hate leaves. them. It, it ruins the aesthetic when you're looking mm-hmm. out from ill it's awful but other than yeah. that we had a really good time we had a good time <laughs> other than the barges that get in the way um i mean yeah i mean we we've still not or or all of us on on this episode certainly um haven't yeah. been haven't gone since the the reopening uh you know us being allowed back into america um but we had <laughs> we had uh one of our uh other co-hosts go uh in january and we had um one of my good okay. friends go uh just before christmas didn't he steve went and mm. um oh, he took okay. some photos uh at world showcase of of the barges uh because he he pretty much said what you just said there to be honest and uh, yeah yeah you, you see the photos and you're like yeah it just it just doesn't doesn't look great does it i i, I don't know what yeah. the answer is but uh, yeah they they look very cumbersome don't they um, and the fact that they're I out thought, permanently is is a problem. Yeah. Like, I thought there would have been a way where they could hide them somewhere, like the globe and illuminations. But, you know, that was just one thing. I mean, these barges are much bigger. They they look bigger. But I thought maybe they could. there was a, a place they could put them during the day, you know, where it would be out of sight. But I guess they're pro- they probably don't have the space or whatever. And they're just, they're permanently there throughout the whole day. So when you're looking out, when you're coming to the edge of um, World Showcase, looking back like towards Spaceship Earth, you see them, or when you're walking from the beginning of the park and you want to mm-hmm. get this panoramic view of World Showcase from, you know, and it's it's not there anymore because you have these barges that are in the way. And it's, mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't like them. I, I really don't like them. But did what you, can I say? <laughs> well, no, no, of course. But um, did you did you manage to see the show itself? Or did you, did you no we didn't we 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 didn't we actually left a little early because we were both getting tired and i had seen the show <laughs> on youtube and i didn't i mean the show is not that impressive to me it's like i i can skip it it's okay i like the show's okay like i like it but i don't feel like it's the show for epcot i think epcot is a world because of the world showcase I know other people have said this, but the, the, the show that needs to be at Epcot needs to be a world-celebrated kind of show. 
like with illuminations. I don't think the Disney in the properties are the good fit for the for a show at Epcot, like with Pinocchio and Lion King and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. I just feel like Epcot should be different because it's a different park. But I don't know. Yeah. No, I think I think that's it's valid. I think um it has become more centered around IPs in the way that uh yeah. that they've done in their other uh parks. Um but I think that was a thing that I'm I'm and Mr. D, I mean you were a massive uh fan of Illuminations, weren't you? So mm, I mean, yeah. you, you weren't sure happy have, when they, yeah. they changed it uh to um no. moved away from the you know non IP to the new IP friendly show they've got yeah. now. And mm-hmm. and look, you, you haven't seen it in person, but no. you, you kinda of know what you're gonna uh, expect and it's just not the same, is it? Yeah, I mean um you know, obviously Illumination is a great show. Um, I, in fact, I watched it recently. Um, I watched a, a YouTube video, like a really good yeah. HD version of it, and it just brought back some great memories. So I can't, can't say anything bad about Harmonious because I haven't seen it, and you know, it, it could be great, but that doesn't change the fact that Illuminations was a fantastic show, and uh, it's a shame they couldn't keep illuminations as well and maybe make it a you know maybe rotate them or something like that um mm-hmm. but but obviously this new, new show has got a lot of hardware included and it, it probably makes that not possible but yeah i just i, I I'm, I'm like you as well tom i think I, i'm not sure from what i've heard not having experienced it myself i'm not sure that mm-hmm. it, that it fits the spirit of World Showcase and Epcot, as well as you know, Illuminations did, and I think it, it is more of a kind of branding force fit into the into the the theme of, of World Showcase, which is a shame. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'll, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Hopefully, I'll see it before the end of the year. We're hoping to go later in the year, so keep oh, an nice. mind and you know, hope to be hope to be blown away by it. But yeah. I still miss Illuminations, whatever. Yeah, I don't think they'll ever. I mean, Illuminations was, you're never going to top that. It was just such a special show. It was beautiful. Yeah. But, and I'm, I understand you want to move on and try different things. I totally get that. But mm-hmm. I just don't think this is the show for that park. I, I think it's a good show. I mean, by itself, you know, it's a great show. It's not like it's a bad show, but yeah. I just don't think it fits the park. That sure. Epcot, I just don't think it fits it. But yeah. You have to, yeah. I'll be, I'll be listening for your opinions on when you go mm. and see it and, and what you think yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Excellent. Well, Tom, thank you again so much for joining us. Um, I hope you've got uh, you haven't got a busy day ahead of you. Um, it's, well, I have to say, it's always so fun to come on to your show. I love coming here. I, I will have to do it more often. I know we always say that, but I just love talking to you guys. You've been so supportive, and I just I always love coming on to your show. So thank you for having me. I um, really appreciate it. No, we 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 oh, love having you on. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys. Uh, so now, yeah, as I said, you know, whenever you've got anything you want to plug or you've got something upcoming, then uh, yeah, we'll be we'll be happy to have you on. But uh, yeah, Tom, thank you so much. I thank you guys. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. You too. You as well. (laughs) 
After Dark Podcast is sponsored by HHNUnofficial.com, the home of Halloween Horror Nights news and rumors all year round. Find us on the web at www.HHNUnofficial.com. So stop the fog machines and clear the cobwebs. It's time for another episode of the podcast that's nearly the same as all the others. Right, so I suppose we should uh, have a look at some other stuff that's been going on. So I'm going to go over to our very own Trevor McDonald, Mr. D, <laughs> with, uh, with some news. Okay. No pressure. Here's the news at 10. <laughs> well, you know what? It's not uh, too far off at 10, so it's not too bad. Well, yeah. Somewhere. UK <laughs> time, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's not a huge amount of, of big news this week, I don't think. But um, obviously, uh, the Festival of Fantasy Parade is now back in the Magic Kingdom twice a day. 12 and 3 normally, but check your... My Disney experience or your park maps to uh, to make sure that that's that's right. But um, nice to see the parades coming back again. Another little uh, another little stain of normalcy here. Yeah, I haven't seen any like vlogs or anything of it yet, but I have heard people talking about the fact that I think Ryan mentioned it um, on Team Park Trader that mm-hmm. there's a couple. Of, I know yeah, there's a couple of the additional dancers from the parade mm. not necessarily characters or mm. character performers that are now missing from the parades so i think he the yeah. specific example he did was the four dancers from um the rapunzel float the four ladies yeah. that would dance ahead of her they're yeah. gone yeah. so it is unfortunate that it's not back in its full glory but it yeah. is great that ki- yeah. those floats are getting to be used and all those characters are back mm. as well because i think i mean from what i heard you know they're they're still generally short of people, so still recruiting yeah. in in still quite a lot of places. And um, I think it sounds like the parade is one of those, so they've they've cut it back a little bit. But um, but still, it's it's good. And then it, on a similar vein, then face to face character meet and greets are coming back soon. I haven't got a date for that, but I'm told that 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 is going to be coming back soon because obviously at the minute you've got the uh, I forget what they call them now, but you, you you can't go right up and get a photograph. You can kind of take a distant selfie, or um, you know you you kind of barriered off from the characters. So sounds like yeah. that's going to be changing soon, and we'll be going back to proper meets and greets, which is good. Nice. Yeah. Mm. I know they brought those um, back in DLP in the last week or so, and then obviously in Galactic Star Cruiser, you have the characters pretty up close and personal with you so it's good that they'll be back in the park yeah yeah that's good isn't it? um it sounds like um an epcot i was quite i was quite surprised really i mean i, I knew that i knew that epcot was was going through some pretty major works but i did see some some drone footage of you know behind the construction walls and wow i mean they've really ripped up a huge huge area of that park and uh they announced this week that um, the Epcot Experience, which was kind of showcasing uh, the, the the new elements of Epcot, that that's actually going to be closing on March 
14 so today mm -hmm. um we did see that it was a it was a fun little exhibit when we were there in 2019 but um but yeah interesting to see what what comes back to the odyssey or what comes to the odyssey i mean i know they use it for a lot of i think corporate events and private parties and things like that it's a fairly multi-purpose building but uh yeah they obviously feel that they've that they've either got a better use for the odyssey building or that they've got what they need to get out of the the epcot experience show and that's going to go away soon or now actually it's gone away today <laughs> it's well i mean it's gone away today when we record this episode but who knows yeah <laughs> who knows how far in the past it would have been but um yeah dear listener when <laughs> uh when you get to read this it's uh it's too late you missed it well, I mean, it's, unfortunately, it's even too late for our patrons. They're getting this show early, uh, but it's too yeah. late for them as well. Um, mm -hmm. It's um, it's it's strange, I think, uh, removing that unless more of the the elements of it aren't, aren't actually going to happen. Now, I did see that the foundations are now in place or are, are currently being put in place for the Moana fountain. Thing, yeah. whatever that's called um yeah. but there was a uh shareholder meeting last week or sometime in the distant past when you listen to this um where chapek was asked about a couple of attractions and two of the ones that were banded about was the avengers e-ticket attraction over at uh disney's california adventure and the Mary Poppins attraction, which would have been part of Epcot's World Showcase. Yeah. Um, and they're not cancelled, they're just indefinitely, on, on hold indefinitely. Nice. Yeah. What's, the, what's the wording? Which is pretty much cancelled, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I mean, I think um, they're, they're, they're certainly quite a few years off, aren't they? I mean, and I guess that doesn't surprise, given the effects of the pandemic and the money that they have spent. Because again, you know, quite really just quite surprised at how big the the Epcot project is. Um, I'd kind of thought of it more as kind of discrete discrete areas that would change, but you know, pretty much ripped up huge portions of uh, Future World, which uh, it was that that you know that's not going to be inexpensive they're obviously spending a lot of money on it when they've caught uh just hope they get it right because that area that they're ripping up i mean that was that was a nice area i mean you know especially at night you had the fountain uh you know the fountain of nations lit up music you had the the little fiber optics and the paving stones that lit up at night it, it was a it was a nice area so i'm hoping that they can replace that with something that's well better otherwise what's the point really mm. yeah yeah but yeah i mean we shall see. maybe maybe those attractions will happen at, at one time um yeah i mean i know they're still trying to recoup recoup their money from the closures but i think they also announced a 7.2 uh billion pound profit as well so mm. i don't know um i just worry that when they well after what's going on now so we've got guardians we've got the moana fountain and then we've got obviously tron light cycle there's mm. nothing else going on 
without the, you know without the stuff that they've already announced is going to happen so you know how long are we going to wait for uh you know further new attractions and considering well, the time that they take to build Nick, we are forgetting um galactic cruiser 2 electric boogaloo mm-hmm. oh, of course of course yeah. well actually i'm glad you mentioned that. that rumor i'm glad you mentioned that actually because i did see uh, an article that was going around on social media last night um Sinead, you're you're always on social media so you might have seen this as well but um it was reporting the fact that y- there are nearly all dates for the galactic star cruiser till the you know i think you can book up till december now but nearly all dates have got some availability at least mm. um no dates are sold out so that's uh that's not great news is it no no. Not when not when well, you consider there's a, there's a hundred rooms available. Yeah. Yeah. It can't be that like unexpected though, really, because like it's it's such a significant price for the for the amount of time that you are there, it is a very expensive experience. Um and I've seen people comparing it to the cost of like Broadway tickets. And I understand the logic in that. I get that. I, I get it. It's a performance. You're being a part of it. I get that. However, a, a Broadway ticket is like $150-ish, right? Depending on where you're sitting. It's not a six grand. So mm-hmm. I get where I get where people are equating the hourly rate off. I understand the logic, but I can't. No. Um, but it's it seems like something. Now, I've watched a couple of videos and stuff about it. It seems like something that Whilst, yeah, you might do it again, I don't think it's something that is immediately repeatable. Mm. Like a Disney trip, we've all been there where you're sitting in the airport waiting for your flight or your train or whatever home and you start looking up prices for the next time you can go because immediately you want to go and repeat that and you want to get to experience rides and stuff again. And I've never been on a Disney cruise, but I've heard similar things about a Disney cruise that the second you do one, you immediately want to do another. I don't. I don't see this being the same. So I'm not surprised that given the cost of it and the, I suppose, limited amount of Disney slash Star Wars fans that can comfortably afford that, that it's not immediately repeatable for people because I don't, I don't see how it could be. No, no, I can see that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting that if, if there's still availability on, on all dates, you know, are they ninety percent full? Are they fifty percent full? Who knows? But I think well, you'll be able to tell because you know they'll they'll adjust the pricing, won't they? Or they they probably won't adjust the pricing because that'll be too much like admitting defeat. But what what they'll start to do is is promotions. Um, yeah, I I think that's probably I think you're probably right there. And um, you know, there's there's a few dedicated Facebook groups now. Uh, for mm-hmm. Star Cruiser, and Ooh. I will say, I will say that generally, you know, I've I've not seen anyone kind of come off and go, "Well, that was a massive waste of money." I've seen a good portion of people turn around and say, "It was amazing. Um, we're definitely going to have to do this again." Yeah. But I don't see anyone actually do it. Like no one turned around and said, "Oh, just uh, just put to my return." onto the cruise i think a lot of people might feel that way or might think it but it's getting the people and that's that's what disney need right they need they 
not just necessarily repeat business, but you're going to ha- there's going to be a, a limit to the amount of people that want to do this. So you are going to have to then rely on on repeat business. So yeah. it's how long do people wait for that return visit? Mm-hmm. You know, if yeah. you're very wealthy and a six grand two night experience um, is complete chump change to you, you would think mm-hmm. that those people will be booking it. You know, another trip in the next few months. Yeah. But there will yeah. be other people who you know their next that their return that they're desperate to do might be two three mm. years away because of the cost yeah. so and i think given the small number of rooms two three years repeating two three years is probably fine because they don't this isn't a mass you know market thing they don't have to get tens of thousands of people through the door it's it's a relatively small number of people in the grand scheme of you know the number of visitors to walt disney world in a year so mm. It's more about a small volume, high profit, I think. It's kind of akin to, I mean, it's interesting, you know, people kind of lose their shit about this. and But nobody bats an eyelid or don't even you don't even think about the people who go on like a three-night Disney cruise or a four-night Disney cruise, but they book a suite. Yeah. Mm. Right? And, and, and that'll be similar or, or more, you know, to this. It's those kind of people, or at least a subset of those kind of people. It's those kind of people who like Star Wars or who like, you know, escape room type games and immersive activities, you know, plus plus a couple other subsets like, like diehard Star Wars fans, diehard Disney fans, people who just want to try everything once, mm-hmm. you know. There's lots of little pockets of people, but they've mm-hmm. only got to get, you know, what, 800 600 at a time through the door. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. But they start I... doing promotions or combo deals with tickets and hotel stays and things like that, then you know it hasn't gone according to plan. Well, what's it? What is it called on the cruises? Is it called a bounce back? Where yeah. you, you basically. Yeah, get, the, yeah. yeah, you get incentivized. You know, like once you finish your cruise, you get an incentivized offer yeah to book your yeah. next one which might be oh yeah and people do that yeah 25 off or something you know yeah they'll buy they'll, they'll actually buy the next cruise on the cruise and you get a you get a, an enhanced discount yeah mm-hmm. and i think i think the other mistake they might they might have made already and i think this is where they can probably save a bit of face because look we've talked about it I, I i don't want to spend like a long time talking about it and i appreciate it. i i uh, i brought it up but this isn't something I desperately want to foul. Like, it's not something that appeals to me as a Star yeah. Wars fan, but it's not something I want Disney to, you know, have this massive flop either. Yeah. But I think at the moment, if you're able to look at, you know, the online calendar and see all these dates that are still openly available, I think what they've done is they've they've done it too frequently. So instead of like having it pretty much every day or you know not every day but you know rolling along consecutively is maybe doing one day like one time period a week so maybe like sunday to tuesday or something and rather than have them kind of rolling on to the next one is actually space them out um and maybe that because the thing is what do you want do you want a cruise with 20 people or like 20 rooms and then a cruise with 40 or do you want one with 60 
true because i suppose even from like a a casting standpoint that would probably help as well because i know one of the one of the things that you guys had mentioned was that like that level of experience and that level of interaction will be quite quite difficult to maintain um and i suppose if they have those kind of key characters and those key cast members playing those characters like yes obviously you'll need variations and you'll need um understudies or whatever you want to call it um to play those characters but if you're doing it less frequently one you're not going to burn out your cast members and two you can make sure that you have the best of the best in more frequently Mm -hmm. so it could also help with that so yeah that's a fair point yeah but i mean i think i'm i'm just picking up points from both of you there i mean i'm with unit you know actively don't want it to fail i think you know disney should be applauded for trying something different something new it is quite a bold move and i'd love to see it succeed but obviously they'll go through a period of seeing what works and seeing what doesn't and tweaking it i think the the danger though is if um if they take cost up and you lose the quality of you know the immersion because they have they do seem to have got that more or less right you know the quality of the actors the costumes the you know the the, the energy that the actors are putting into it or the, the 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 characters are putting into it they seem to have got that part right um yeah. they've got to make sure they hang on to the, the good stuff and don't cost cut it and that's the problem if it isn't as profitable as they want it to be do they then start taking out cost to get some of that profit back and then if they do that does it become a downward spiral because then people are saying well you know this is this isn't what i hoped it would be um i won't be doing this again so hopefully they they give it a good chance and keep the money in it long enough to to, to optimize it and get it right um whatever that looks like in the end you know and they must have they must have planned for all adventure eventualities right they can't they can't have just expected this to be an absolute runaway success right from the get-go so they must have in mind what is you know the the best and worst case scenarios you know obviously best case we know is going to be sold out but what is what is your worst case you know if you're selling 20 rooms is that profitable is that enough to make this work or is it enough to you know offshoot another more successful one a few days later do you know what i mean like how are they gonna measure this um i suppose is the question and that's the thing right like i it is absolutely not for me uh if i got invited by disney to go and do it tomorrow i don't think i could actually do it i'm and i, I know people on here will would would be mm-hmm. able to but for me i just i just can't see, I, I don't think i'd cope doing it um mm-hmm. but I don't want that to then fail for that reason. Just because it's not for me doesn't mean it won't be for others. And yes, the, the cost is you know ridiculously expensive. But again, if you want to spend that on it, I'm not going to tell you, you know, you're crazy for doing it. That's that's on you. If you can justify it and do it sensibly, because the the worst thing I have seen people suggesting this, you know, somebody said, look, I can't afford it, but if it's that good, you know. I'm happy to get a loan. Like that, that you can't, you can't do that. That's that's madness. Yeah. Um, but 
because you're just going to have instant regret. Um, but yeah, I don't want it to fail. I just, you know, I, I just hope that Disney are learning from this quickly and will make sure that they can continue it to, to work mm. um, and not, you know, after a year's worth go, you know what, we've got to scrap it because this just wasn't what we thought it was going to be. Mm. And then that's, yep. you know, that's that's a real dark mark. Although, if it gets Chepek out, uh, Chepek out then, then good, I suppose. Mm. It's that. I think he's doing a pretty good job of that himself anyways. Yeah, every cloud. Yeah. Um, speaking of the man, I did see that John Oliver had laid into him as well on his last week tonight show. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. About the way that he had uh, handled the uh, the bill in, in Orlando and uh, his initial reaction to it. it you know, he, he has... Uh, you know, ruffled more feathers now with DeSantis, which is what you want to see. But uh, you know, it's uh, it's a grace saving exercise now, isn't it? More than anything else, unfortunately. Yeah, so it yeah. is what it is. Um, Mister D, was there any other news bits that you saw? I don't think so, but just interesting along the same sort of lines that we've been talking about. You know, Anaheim is going to have a Star Wars celebration later this year. I think it's May 26th to the 29th, so that's been announced for some time. I think it was announced back at D23, but more tickets have just gone on sale. Um, but, you know, again, is is there going to be something like that coming back to the studios? I mean, they've invested a lot of money in Batu in the Star Cruiser. It, it just seems a kind of obvious thing, given the Star Wars weekends that they had before. Um, that it come that some kind of event comes back, you know, it may not be exactly the same as Star Wars weekends. We talked about that last time. We don't need to to kind of get back into that again. There's some some potential problems and potential reasons why Disney wouldn't want to replay that exactly as it was before. But but some kind of event. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see this Star Wars celebration um because it's not that far away a couple of months away uh, and just see how how that goes and you know if they would expand that to to florida you know well it's the i think i'm right if my math is correct i think it's the 45th anniversary this year of a new hope 77 one that yeah uh yeah that sounds right then so that's probably why and obviously the 26th of may is when Mm -hmm. it came out that was its original yeah. American release date, so it might, you know. Yeah. So the, the reason for the celebration starting then makes complete sense. But I think mm-hmm. I think you're right, um, and it is it is funny that they had all of these all of this stuff going on when they had to shoehorn it into, you know, Hollywood Studios mm-hmm. in the little section that they had, and now they've got this big section of the park that's devoted to Star Wars. They're doing nothing. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's that's quite funny. But mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe if attendance, maybe because the attendance in in Galaxy's Edge is still considerable, maybe mm-hmm. they don't want to. Because uh, I mean, it would just it would just send a rush of people there, wouldn't it? If you had it there, yeah. So yeah, yeah. you know, I, I can see that being a reason why they might not want to. But yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. Mixed, mixed on it. Um, yeah. The only thing I wanted to talk about, and I don't know if you've seen, but I just sent a photo into our uh, message group. Yeah, because, you need to put a warning uh, with that. 
<laughs> Come on, if I had to see it. Um, so after after a, a slight delay, um, Disneyland Paris uh, launched their turkey legs uh, this weekend, um, as we record this this episode. And um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, is it a turkey leg? That's the question. Uh, because... I have a question. I have I have been vegetarian for how old am I now? Thirty. So I've been vegetarian for about 13, 14 years now. So I haven't eaten meat in a very long time. Yeah. However, to me, the DLP one looks like the actual size of a turkey leg, and I don't know what kind of a bloody beast the Walt Disney World one is, but it well, always just looks so comically large. It's it's interesting you say that, right? Because Mr. D, have you ever seen a turkey leg in the wild. So I'm, I'm, what, when I say that, what I mean is in your local supermarket. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've we've had like whole turkeys for Christmas, you know, and you can get big, big turkeys. There's there's no doubt about it. Um, and we've we've had a turkey leg. We had we on the one time we went to Florida for Christmas. We were in the Magic Kingdom on Christmas morning, uh, on actually you know Christmas Day morning, and it was a horrible day. It was raining, it was windy, and there was a lightning strike, and we got stuck on the people mover, right? And we were up there for forty-five minutes. The and irony the of being on something called the people mover and yeah, not moving and it didn't anywhere. move, right? And the people got the people got uh, blasted by wind and rain. It was terrible. Oh. So we came off. We said, we've got to go somewhere to warm up. So we went to Pecos Bells because the park was packed. I mean, this is Christmas morning and it was Christmas day. So we decided to get turkey just for a snack to warm us up. So we got one turkey leg and took it into Pecos Bells and then divided it between the four of us. So we've got a picture of us with Santa hats on eating <laughs> a turkey leg on Christmas oh, day. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, I, I don't know whether they're, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're probably not free range organic turkeys, right? They don't look like it, but um, it's a big turkey leg. It is. Yeah. But it's the turkey leg, you know? Well, so, so to answer your question, Sinead, um, I used to work in a supermarket where on occasion we would get turkey legs in. I don't know why what the occasion was it wasn't christmas but occasionally they'd be they'd be on the shelves um and they were comically large like the american ones but as mr d said uh you know you get turkeys in various sizes now uh i'm by the look of it you'd guess that the uh disneyland paris ones are free range organic because they are tiny (laughs) they are really small they look about the size of a chicken drumstick um, but apparently, uh, they do taste like the uh, American ones. And as somebody who was eating meat, who went to Disney World and did eat one, um, they are absolutely rancid. <laughs> so there you go, Sinead. They don't taste like. I don't think, and Mr. D, you obviously, you know, I want to hear from you as well, but to me, they taste nothing like turkey at all they taste like a weird from what, kind of smoky ham yeah well that's it for me for me they're they're the smoked all right and they're they're kind of painted because i've only had we've only had that painted. one right 
Yeah, they, they, they kind of painted with a base, based it. A, a sort of marinade, I guess. You know, I mean, think about it like, um, yeah, like KFC is, is coated in a in a batter. This isn't coated in a batter, but the the skin is like painted with this reddy browny stuff, and I don't know whether it's smoked or whether that's just a smoked flavour, but it's definitely a smoked turkey meat. It's not, it's not the kind of it doesn't taste like the turkey you have at Christmas because that typically isn't smoked so it's kind of like a, a barbecue smoked barbecue turkey leg really it's it's, it's uh it, yeah he's it's very it's very strange um now that was they were delayed because of logistic problems I don't know if the logistic problems are <laughs> what has resulted in what DLP is serving up but uh anyone that's been to Disney World and expecting a turkey leg at DLP Lower your expectations because uh, you know what, Snow. Actually, I, I think I've nailed it. Maybe this is a preview of the new Ant Man restaurant that we're getting in the studios. Oh, maybe. <laughs> so maybe they just shrunk a turkey leg down to regular Ooh. size. <laughs> that's, the quantum turkey leg. That's it. That's <laughs> no. what I should. That's what I should uh, sell it as. Um, now, Mister D, have you talking about ready brown things? Have you seen Turning Red? No, oh. not yet. No. So, Sinead, I know you've seen uh, Turning Red. Um, probably I... be watching it this week because I think I think I'm going to download it for the plane this week. So, I'll probably watch it on Thursday. I think. Okay. Oh, very good. Very good. Yeah. Well, we won't go into spoilers, and I'm sure we'll talk about it in a future one. But just because it's come out now, when we're recording this, um, and we've both seen it, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about it, Sinead, because yeah. what I think has been fantastic has been uh the response to the film i can't <laughs> i apps like i just i cannot with the people being like oh i can't identify this i can't identify with this movie at bloody all because i am not a woman i am not of chinese descent and i don't live in canada and i'm like but you you could get on board with monsters inc or Nemo. You, you could get on board with oh, a Grogu. fictional world oh, and Grogu. fictional monsters. <laughs> I, just... I haven't seen the film and I'm, I'm tracking with you. I it's... can't. I also can't with the people that are, and I, I think it was you shared the link to this bloody post where this woman is talking about how dangerous it is for women and how dangerous it is for people to be perpetuating this to their 13-year-old kids. Look at what every single one of the Disney princesses has done throughout the movies. And tell me how anything that is done in this movie is any worse than what the Disney princesses do. Oh, it's 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 phenomenal. Uh, I mean, I saw so I I watched this I watched this on Saturday. So my daughter and my wife had already watched it the night before. Um, what they normally if the film comes out and they've gone to my mother-in-law's, what they'll tend to do is they'll watch the film with her, but because especially my daughter because she likes watching films repeatedly. Um, she doesn't mind watching it the next night. So that's what we did. And I asked them specifically, do not tell me what you think of this film. Because they made that mistake with Luca and they were telling me, you know, this is the best Pixar film you'll see, you've seen in years. And it it was fine, but I I think they'd overhyped it for me. So I didn't have any idea of, of what they thought of it. I loved it. I thought it was great. Interestingly... The person who least least liked it was my daughter. 
who I thought would get the most out of it. She was okay. like, yeah, it's good. But may, and maybe maybe it'll mean more to her in like a couple of years. You know, yeah. maybe it's just that little bit too soon. Um, but she still liked it. She did. She enjoyed the film, but just I was surprised she didn't enjoy it as much as, as I did. I got a lot out of it. I thought it was really good. And I'm saying that as somebody who was never a 13-year-old Chinese girl in Canada. You know, yeah, yeah. so, and I didn't, I purposely didn't look at any reviews or, uh, you know, what people were saying on Twitter about it. Um, all yeah. I could see was a lot of posts on Facebook from people saying, this is the best Pixar film ever to, this is worse than Cars 2. And I was like, this oh, is Oh, people get in the bloody bin. I know. Like, I I watched this on Friday. Um, I... I think I've mentioned that mostly like I haven't enjoyed or haven't really cared for a lot of the stuff that Disney's put out in the last little while. I enjoyed Soul. I wasn't overly taken with it. Luca was fine. Ray and the Last Dragon was fine. I, I wasn't overly pushed on Encanto. I haven't I haven't sat down and watched a Disney movie in a really long time and been like, I bloody love this. Now, what I will say is I am very aware. I so this is set in 2002. So I was... 11 12 right. in 2002 so i was pro like i was this girl and whilst i did not grow up in toronto and i did not grow up in a, um in a chinese household however there are so many similarities between the family pressures and the family expectations that mirror what we love to call in ireland as the catholic guilt um there's so many similarities in them that i was this girl and i had that group of friends and i whilst i wasn't a four town gal i was a westlife and a boy's own gal so i was like it just it hit so many marks for me i thought the level of inclusion in the movie was fantastic and it did not for a second feel like it was rammed down your throat which i think hasn't been the case in a lot of um movies and hasn't been the case in a lot of animated things i think a lot of times recently they're now it's almost like performative inclusion, but this just felt very seamless and it felt very natural, which I really enjoyed. Um, so I went in kind of expecting to be out to just enjoy watching a movie, but I absolutely bloody loved it. And I really hope that the mixed reaction that is get it's getting online doesn't doesn't deter Disney. Uh, and obviously more specifically Pixar from one letting more females direct movies and tell movies about their life experiences because why the hell should that not be a thing how are we only having our first female directed Pixar movie in 2022 um but I think like stories like that should be told because like as I said I was that kid and Mr. G I would imagine your daughters are going to watch this and be like yeah I can identify with a whole lot of this I thought you were going to say Mr. D. I'm sure you were like. Well, of course. Well. <laughs> you, you were trying to get in Toronto for a time, weren't you? You've been yeah, pretty yeah. much everywhere else, so. Secrets <laughs> out now. No, but I mean, Sinead's right. I mean, I got two, uh, well, two daughters who were teenagers around that same sort of time. Yeah, one, one definitely, one just getting there. And uh, yeah, I, I know they went through. The ups and downs of of everything that was happening to them, to them and it, it wasn't it wasn't easy. I haven't seen the film, so I don't know where it goes with this, but um, I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to seeing it. Did I'll, did I'll either of your the effort to watch it? 
No, of course. Um, and I, I and this is a personal question, Mr. D. So if you don't want to answer, it's fine. But um, did you notice mm-hmm. either of your two teenage daughters ever turning into giant uh, red pandas at any time? Uh, not red pandas. Definitely, definitely. You know, they definitely changed into certain things at certain times. <laughs> That's for what sure. What would be the Scottish equivalent of a red okay. panda? Um, I don't know, some kind of Highland wildcat. I, I think say oh, Highland, nice. Highland cow. <laughs> yeah, they're great. And, and and it was funny because the the change goes both ways. As they changed one way, I changed another. Right, I kind of got very. I became like a, like a chameleon. I tried to blend into the background so I couldn't be seen. And <laughs> that and, way you got rid of the hair. Was, yeah, yeah, and just a very small out. target, you know. <laughs> because there were certain times when it didn't matter what you said or what you did, you just could not be right. You were just wrong, right? You just yeah. got to, yep, yep, I'm wrong. Yeah. Hell hath no fury like a teenage girl. Yep. I'm glad. I'm glad uh, Craig's not in this episode because he'd probably be asking where the next Pixar film directed by a man uh, would be coming out, uh, as is tradition. Um, yeah. I mean, the thing is, what I found interesting was, even though I, I literally cannot relate to a Chinese girl that lived in Toronto in 2002, um, like you, Sinead, I didn't grow up in a religious household, but I, there were definitely similarities there in the family dynamic um, and the expectations and stuff like that. So I think that, I think if you, if you were um, of certain religious uh, faith households, you'll certainly see it one way. But I I think there's also a a huge subsection of people that will also see things in a very similar way because of how my parents were and how their parents were to them. Um, So I think, I think it's, it, it should speak to a lot of people um, even though you're seeing it through a particular lens. And I think that's yeah. what I enjoy the most about it, is that, yes, I can't relate exactly to, you know, the characters that we're seeing, but there are absolute elements which ring very, very true and very, very close to home, <laughs> very, very sadly. So yeah. it, it, the 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 reaction to it has been incredible. The I think the, uh, the last time I looked, I think the Rotten Tomatoes score was about 91% for critics, but was about 64% for uh, users on oh the platform. Just... And I use uh, I use a, an app called Letterboxd now um, for walking movies where I, I put all my films down that I've watched and leave like little reviews and stuff. And I went on there and looked at the, uh, the, the one-star scores. And most of them, I think, were from people that had just heard about the film. And it just made a judgment. I there weren't that. very many reviews that yeah. were one store f- from people that uh, actually had watched it, but had heard what it was about. or heard things that happened in the film, and so uh, were very against it. But uh, for me, for you know, for for what it's worth, um, it's the most I've enjoyed a Pixar film probably since Inside Out, which is a film uh, you know about a girl. Uh, who was a teenager living in San Francisco, uh, eating broccoli pizzas, something that I very much related to even to this day. Um, What I would also say is a lot of people, again, as I said, are kicking up a fuss because of how rebellious the main character is in Turning Red. Riley steals her man's credit card and gets on a one-way bus across the bloody country, but people don't seem to care about that. Yeah, but but look at all the... Mulan, right? The Little Mermaid, Belle. 
Exactly. <laughs> Snow White. What this is this too rebellious for thirteen-year-olds to potentially um, see? I just no. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely amazing. And also, as well, what I was really pleased about is um, the 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 woman that directed this directed Bell, which is uh, a Pixar show, which I can't even remember what film it's in front of now. Um, the problem with streaming, Ooh. they all just get shoved yeah. up on on Disney Plus. Um, but. I, I thought it was good, but I didn't enjoy it uh, as much as some people did, um, and I think that was that was definitely more uh, subverted into uh, the Chinese culture, um, mm. and maybe and and I probably did struggle more with identifying with that because I didn't really understand the context of it. But reading yeah. up on it, it made a lot more sense. Um, but yeah, I thought this was great. Um, so yeah, if you're on the fence about it, and look, if you are, if you've got a, a young child, um, and I'm I'm talking when I say young child, I mean you know, to getting towards the teenage phase of their life, right? If they're if they're under about six, it doesn't matter anyway. It's just a pretty cartoon for them to watch. But you know, if you are that concerned by stuff that you've read online, give it a watch. You know, and if you really think there's something wrong about it, then don't show it to your kids. But I, 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 I personally cannot see what the outrage is about, other than some very, very prudy people that are reading far too much into it are getting the knickers in the twist, or even worse than that, are, are judging it based on something they've read elsewhere and not actually seen the final product. So, um, I, I really enjoyed it, Chanel. I know you really enjoyed it, and and Mister D, yeah. I'd be interested to hear. Uh, your thoughts on it when you get to watch it as well. Yeah. Um, so that is about it for this episode. Um, we are, for Patreon listeners, we are, due to a clerical error, we are going to be watching uh, Edward this month. And um, we are, we've also put a poll up for the other film that we're going to watch for Why?, um, if you look at the poll, you'll, that'll make a lot more sense to you. So um, if you haven't voted, please vote for that. And uh, the winner of that will also be watched as well. Um, Mr. D, I'll talk to you after the show about what we're going to do with that. Sure. And um, yeah, we will see you in a few weeks. If uh, if Universal actually pulls some news out of their ass about Halloween Horror Nights, we might record a Universal podcast. Um, if they continue to not tell us anything about Halloween Horror Nights, well then screw them. I'm not recording a podcast. Um, but we will definitely see you for more Disney chat in a couple of weeks. See you. This podcast is a That Production and part of the After Dark Podcast Network.